Good morning, good morning. If you're able, please remain standing as we look at our scripture. For this morning, found in James chapter number 1, we'll look at verses 22 through 27 together this morning. The word of God for the people of God. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Thank you so much for being with us today. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Matthews. If you're joining us for the first time, a special welcome to you. We hope that this won't be your last time with us. Thank you to all of you who brought family and friends last week as we celebrated the risen king. We had a great time together, didn't we? Can we, can we honor God for the time we had together last week? Amen. It was, an, it was an amazing, amazing time. Today, as we jump back into our study of the book of James, we'll be concluding chapter number one, and we'll be talking about pure religion, pure religion. Before we do that, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for today, for this moment, for the space of grace. For April 16th, 2023, it's a day that we've never seen before. It's a day that we'll never see again. Help us to be the best that we can be today right now. Can't do anything, God, but apologize to you for where we may have missed it on yesterday and thought word or deed. You know what we said. You know what we did. Pray for your forgiveness right now. And we express our gratitude for, for new breath, new grace, and new mercies for this moment. We declare, Jesus, that you are the authority in this space. Move up and down these aisles by your spirit. Move in and out of our hearts. Move as you will, but get the glory in this place. And in this moment, and these people, we pray. God's children said amen, amen and amen. How to get through what you're going through. How to get through what you're going through. This is what our series on the book of James is all about. How to get through what you are going through. So just by way of recap, for those of you that may be joining us for the first time, uh, James, the book of James, is the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's the Proverbs of the New Testament. It is wisdom for living. Wisdom for living. It's an instructional book about how to live out our faith in Christ. James was the younger brother of Jesus. He was a younger brother of Jesus. He was a skeptic, even antagonistic of Jesus. But he was converted because of the resurrection. Converted because of the resurrection because of what we celebrated last week. The single most important and transformative event of all time changed James, and it also changed, changes us. 
James is an appropriate book to jump back into after Easter because it helps us to live out the resurrection, to live out the new day dawning, as we talked about last week. So James was transformed by the resurrection. He goes on to become a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And so he's writing to people that are scattered because of politics, because of persecution of followers of the way, as Christians were referred to in those days. The Romans and the Jewish leaders drove the church out of Palestine. And now they are trying to find their way, find a new reality in these new set of circumstances that are very uncomfortable for them. They are asking themselves, like many of us, how do I get through what I'm going through? How do I get through what I'm going through? Many of us are in this place today. Many of us may be wondering how our real faith in Jesus can help us with the real problems that we are facing. And so I want to take you on a journey this morning. I'm opening up the car door. I'm inviting you to get in. And we're going to take a ride this morning as we conclude chapter number one of the book of James. Now, as we dive in, James essentially, just to backtrack for a moment, he essentially starts off with a lesson that we learned in kindergarten. Listening and doing. Listening and doing. In verse 22, he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are fooling yourselves. Fooling yourselves. In other words, you should listen twice as much as you speak. Now, for some of us, it's a problem, right? We must listen twice as much as we speak. Now, for me, I, for anything like me, I'm a, I'm a verbal processor, right? I got to talk it out. Got to talk through it. Sometimes it gives my wife headaches. I got I to gotta do it. I need, I need pillow talk. I got to process it. I got I to get it out. But for many of us, when all is said and done, there'll be more said than done. Some of us need to pray for the gift of silence. <laughs> but in verses 23 and 24, he goes on to tell us what listening and not doing is like. He says in verse 23b and 24, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror you see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. See yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. I believe the reason many of us experience this is because we're so consumed and caught up in the things of the world. So consumed and caught up in things of the world. We're so busy judging other people to the point that we have forgotten that we ourselves are broken. And we ourselves are broken. We make mistakes. We mess up just as much as the people we're judging. Maybe not in the same ways, but we're just as broken. We're often curious about what's going on in the lives of other people, but not curious enough when it comes to our own stories. And the, the, the redemptive work that God is faithfully doing in our lives. I love what, what Walt Whitman said. He said, be curious, not judgmental. Be curious, not judgmental. For many of us, it's hard to be judgmental of others when we're listening to others, not just nosy about what's going on. It's hard to be judgmental when you're really listening and paying attention to what somebody's saying and what they're going through. Because for many of us, compassion moves us to grace. 
Compassion moves us to grace, but anger moves us to judgment, doesn't it? Moves us to judgment. So then James says, those who consider themselves to be religious, in verse 26, and do not control their speech, they're lying to themselves, they're fooling themselves, and their religion is worthless, he says. Strong words. He says their religion is worthless. In other words, not being able to control our words is an indication of where we are in our walk with God. Now, I don't want you to hear me wrong here, right? I don't want you to hear me wrong, right? We all say things that we shouldn't say from time to time. I am the chief of them. We all say things that we shouldn't from time to time. That's not what I'm referring to. Some of us have absolutely no filter and always say what we're thinking, regardless of the impact. Now, if that person is sitting beside you, just keep looking at me. Don't look over. <laughs> some of us, this is where some of us are. And, and, and James is saying we're kidding ourselves if we believe our words don't reflect our hearts. We're kidding ourselves. I'm learning that every time we open our mouths, either death or life comes out. There are no neutral words. No neutral words. Every time you speak, death or life comes out. So for us, we should listen to patterns in our own speech. We should listen to patterns of gossip, patterns of complaining, patterns of slander, patterns of untruth, negative words. I think about this, it reminds me of, of a few years ago, I was invited to speak um, to a group of family dollar executives right down the street here, to a group of family dollar executives who were all in this Toastmasters group. All in the Toastmasters group. Now, I've never been a part of Toastmasters. I've spoken at a couple of events that they've had, but they were all a part of this Toastmasters group. And I'll never forget, um, they had a couple of people speak before me, and then I got up to speak, and the guy said, um, real quick, do you mind if we, if we critique you the way we critique ourselves? So I said, sure, you're welcome to. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little raw with the way I do what I do, but, 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 but you're welcome to. And so I gave my, gave my talk. I forget how long it was, 15, 20 minutes or whatever. I gave my talk, and at the end of the talk, the guy says, hmm, you only said um or ah like four times. Huh, it's incredible. And so in that moment, right, I laughed to myself. Everybody in the room laughed when he said it. But I left that moment, having been a communicator for several years before that, I left that moment thinking more and more about the power of words thinking more and more about the power of the words that we speak. A lot of us do a lot of coarse joking and, and we just throw words out there and have absolutely no regard for the impact that they have for other people. What I'm learning, friends, is that words build worlds. Words build worlds. So the question to you today is what kind of world are you building with your words? What kind of world are you building? Are you building a world, an atmosphere that is negative, that is condescending? Are you building a world that exalts the name of Christ, that's encouraging, that's optimistic? James said, when trouble comes, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Part of the way we do that is by the words that we speak. It's interesting to me that James links careless words to a careless devotion of God. It's not by accident that he does that. 
And I think that so many of us in the world view religion and religious people the same. View religion and religious people the same. But what if people began to see religious people as the best listeners? What if people began to see religious people as people that are always mindful about what they say? It's people that always use their words to speak life and not death. What if people began to view religious people as people that cared the most? What if, as opposed to leading with words that often lead to judgment, James is encouraging us to lead with listening, to lead with curiosity, because curiosity often leads to compassion. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And it often creates opportunities for us to share words of life. But for many of us, again, we're too concerned with what's going on in somebody else's world, in somebody else's life. I love what Mark, Mark Twain wrote. He wrote this. He said, man is the religious animal. He's the only religious animal. He's the only animal that loves his neighbor as himself and cuts his throat if his theology isn't straight. He has made a graveyard of the globe in trying his honest best to smooth his brother's path to happiness in heaven. But James here is calling you and I to pay attention to what we do. To what we do. How we live. The words that we speak. Because truthfully, it's, nowadays, it's hard to know whether somebody is paying you a compliment or an indictment when they call you religious, isn't it? It's hard to know. By religious, what do you mean? It's hard to know that. So, James defines pure and genuine religion in verse 27. He defines this for us. So, I want to start by, by just genuinely talking about what is religion. Religion defined is the faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. Faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. The issue with religion is not that people are faithfully in devotion to God. The issue is how they're giving said devotion and why they are so devoted. That's the issue. How, how are you giving devotion and why are you so devoted? I believe it comes down to two words. For or from? For or from? In other words, am I working for God's approval or am I working from God's approval? Am I working for God's approval or from God's approval? There's a tremendous difference. It's also important to, to, to acknowledge that there are horrible things that have been done in the name of religion. Right? In other words, in a quest for God's approval, people have done many foolish and misguided things to prove their worthiness to God or to demonstrate their piety before other people. See, when, when, when I am working for God's approval, I make my efforts the most important thing. My efforts. What do people think about me? My efforts. How many Sundays did I come to church this month? How much did I give to the church? My efforts are the most important thing when I'm working for God's approval. God is happy because my family has been to church for six weeks straight. 
We're doing great. Because we're looking, we're working for approval. Scripture talks about, talks about this. Many of us find ourselves caught in this space where if things don't go according to a specific pattern or regiment or routine, we're disappointed in ourselves because we feel that God is disappointed in us. But when we're working from a place of God's approval, we understand who we are. And we, un- we begin to understand by and by the nuances of a relationship with God. If I'm up three days and down four, God is not disappointed in me. God is not upset with me. God loves me and God is in a relationship with me and has always had his outstretched hand for me to continue to walk upright and holy and just because we are not holy because of what we did. We talked about that last week. We are righteous in God's eyes because of what Jesus did that we could never do for ourselves. So, James tells us what religion is not in verses 22 through 26. And it begs the question, so should Jesus' followers be religious? James seems to say yes. But it might surprise you with what you should be religious about. So he says what pure and genuine religion is in the second half of the verse here. The first thing he says is that it is compassion for the least. It's compassion for the least. Verse 27, he says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. Somebody should underline that in your Bible. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. Notice verse 26 starts off with, if you claim to be religious, there's a big big gap between what we claim and what God sees. And so we need to lean into this because we're claiming certain things about our walk with God our religion, our faith that maybe doesn't line up with what God's word says. See, I'm learning that we can adopt certain behaviors without aligning our beliefs. In other words, I can come, if I come to church long enough, I can sing the songs, I can pray the prayers, I can quote the scriptures and never align my beliefs with the word of God. So he says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of the Father God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, pure religion moves us to compassionate action. Pure religion moves us to compassionate action. We can never substitute another church service or even more Bible reading for rolling up our sleeves and getting involved in this hurting world. This is not what James' congregation had experienced in most of religious circles that they grew up in. Religious leaders of those days wanted to be seen and heard. Religious leaders of those days, they wanted to be superstars and not servants. They they desired all of the honor and the glory for themselves. Maybe this is what Jesus was referring to when he was in the upper room as he was washing his disciples' feet. He said, not so with you. You are to love one another. See, the proof of our devotion to God is our devotion to other people. The proof of our love for God is our love for other people. That's in the book. And so the orphan, the reason he uses the orphan and the widow here, because in James' day, they were the most vulnerable and the most destitute. The most vulnerable and the most destitute. There was no state provision for them, and most were helpless to make a way for themselves. 
they were emblematic of the neediest in society. Here's the point. We should look after our doctrine, but we should be equally concerned about our ethic. If we only care about what we believe and not how we live it out, then we're in great danger. This is why James is addressing this with his congregation. He knows that they are in a tough spot. He knows that they've been scattered and they've been persecuted. And for many of us, when life gets hard, I said this before, that's when we turn our back on God. And so James, right here in the first chapter, he's trying to reorient his audience to the things that are the most important. And he says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and it means refusal to let the world corrupt you. Refusal to let the world corrupt you. Now, in the, in the original Greek here, um, the, the word and is not in this sentence between the two characteristics of pure religion. So it reads totally different if you read it in the original language. It would say this, look after orphans and widows in their distress to keep oneself polluted from the world. Sounds totally different when you read it that way, doesn't it? And James has some implications behind that. We'll talk about that next week, why he, what he means here when he says that. But his point is, we live in a dirty world. We live in a dirty world. And if we're not careful, it's easy to compromise our faith. It's easy for us to compromise our faith if we're not careful. See, it's a good thing that we're in the world because we can be light, we can, we can bring change. We can lead others to Christ, but it's a bad thing when the world is in us. It's a good thing when we're in the world, but it's a bad thing when the world is in us. The challenge here with James chapter 1, verse 27, is that we are to be fully engaged in the world. Fully engaged. We are to get our hands dirty in the unavoidable pain and sadness of the human existence. We are to get our hands dirty with this. But when we reach out to hurting people, we'll end up in some difficult situations, not to mention our own. However, we must go and go in the name of Christ. And while we're going, the challenge is to not be contaminated by the things we see. Because it's easy because we live in this world to be desensitized to the pain and the trauma and the suffering. Went through that a lot as a fireman. Saw trauma that you would not believe. Stuff that I wish I could unsee. And in that environment, just like in our world, it's easy to become desensitized to the things you see. It's easy to begin to not to care about the things that you see. And so James is reorienting his audience here. And God is doing the same for us. Because undoubtedly we have troubles, we have issues, we have sorrows. He's shifting us to the things that should matter the most for us, the things that God cares about. In other words, we should use our words to help those in need and not become a part of the things that they need. There's something special about being close to those that are in need. There's something about that, James is implying, that keeps our hearts from being corrupted by the greed of this world. So the religion that God approves cares for those that cannot care for themselves. It includes the widows and the orphans, but it doesn't stop there. It includes the unborn. It includes the sick. It includes the homeless, the disabled, the immigrants, the refugees, 
and many others that the world would rather overlook. He says, this is what pure and genuine religion looks like. Again, our bottom line is for or from? For or from? What we do, what we do should be from a place, from an understanding of who we are in Christ. Because it's only when we embrace that that we can control our words to others and our words to ourselves. It's only then that we can have compassion for the least and for the last among us. Only then. We might do it, but it's going to be temporary. Only then can we keep our character from being corrupted by a lost and dying world. Friends, our vertical relationship must have horizontal expression. Our vertical relationship must have horizontal expression. Our faith, James is saying, must be seen in our conversation, in our compassion, and in our character. Those are things that you and I can use as indicators for where we are in our walk with God. Again, we're all broken. We're all broken. But through and by God's spirit, the one who loves us and cares for us, we can live out this calling. That's the only way we're going to obey what James is teaching us here. We need Christ living in us. Because I don't know about you, I'll never be able to bridle my tongue without the spirit of God. I'll never be able to keep myself unstained by this world. I'll never be able to reach out to those that are hurting without the Spirit of God. And so just as James is calling his audience to a pure and genuine religion, God is calling us to the same. God is calling us to make a difference in the world. And I need you to know your difference is the difference. Everything about you, everything about how God has wired you, he wired you that way so that you can make a particular difference in the world. This is what pure and genuine religion is like. Your words, your compassion, and your character. It's an opportunity for us to live out the resurrection the new day dawning, by yielding those areas of who we are to the King of glory. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we are nothing without you. We acknowledge we can never live the way that James is calling us to live without your spirit. So we ask, God, that by your spirit you would take control of our tongues. that you would give us even the more a heart of compassion. That's the heart you have for us. That you would come and make us pure in our character from the inside out. You would transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. That our conversation, compassion, and our character would be pleasing 
in your sight. Thank you for reorienting us in spite of our troubles, in spite of our issues. Thank you for reminding us of your grace, of your mercy, and of your love. And as we endeavor to live out the resurrection of Christ, the new day dawning, help us to remember that you are with us every step of the way. And we praise you, God. We honor you. And we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.